Welcome to episode 86 of the Half Point for Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie. No Johnny fam. Tonight, happy birthday to Johnny's future wife. Tonight, that is where Mr. Fam is at, and I'm sure had many great things planned a long time ago. Um, <laughs> for this, Dalton, uh, we're, we're living in a strange world right now. We're, we're living in a world where Travis Kelsey scored four touchdowns, uh, less than 30 yards, but four touchdowns, and was not the highest scoring tight end. I believe that was uh, Taysom Hill. If he's a tight end in your league, that, that was his honor. This week, uh, Geno Smith is making throws on par with Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson is apparently terrible right now. We'll see if it's forever. Uh, and apparently somebody went and spent $28 at Taco Bell for lunch today, which prompted me to eat Taco Bell for dinner. What's the most you've ever spent at, at Taco Bell? We'll call it, we'll, let's say, a non-2 a.m. excursion. I was going to say, if we're talking late nights, <laughs> yeah. uh, me and Taco Bell have a good relationship going. Uh, but certainly not $28. I know times are hard, and you know some of us are out there spending 10 20% of our fab on people like Deami Brown, but I don't know how we're spending that much money on Taco Bell. I saw someone put up a screenshot of their Taco Bell order, and like they were being dead serious, it seemed like. And it was... It was so many things to get the $20, and he claimed that he, like, used a coupon on the app. And someone was like, his bathroom's about to be sounding like Gotham tonight. So, uh, just wanted to be known, I spent $8 on, on my dinner at Taco Bell, not 28 So, it just proved it, it can be done. It can be done. Less than $28 for a Taco Bell meal. Yeah, I don't spend 28 at Chipotle, so. No, even if you get, you can get guac and queso, and the most expensive steak, which is like the new steak, whatever it's called. And that's probably like $18, which is ridiculous, but still. No or way. You can a Longhorn Steakhouse or Applebee's. You can get a two for 20. <laughs> a two for 20. You can eat at Applebee's for half the price of Taco Bell. That That's what I'm learning. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Dalton, we've, we've got a lot of, of fun stuff to get to. We're going to talk about some buys and sells and not necessarily it doesn't have to be a buy low or a sell high but just buys and sells in general we each brought two buys two sells so we have four total of each and we're basically going to give out some free wonderful advice on who you should trade away and who you should trade for i I mean i'm just saying i'm just saying i feel pretty prophetic about the Brees hall Go trade before the blow-up game. And even with Michael Carter swiping two touchdowns, that was still the blow-up game for Brees Hall. So his price has now gone up. He is a top 12 running back uh, just looking at the season-long scoring right now, which is pretty incredible because there's definitely still meat on the bone. But where, where I wanted to start was with the other rookie running back, and that's Kenneth Walker. Obviously, Rashad Penny has the very unfortunate injury, I believe, a, a fractured tibia. If I'm not mistaken, he he's out for the year. Uh, Travis Homer kind of quietly is out for another couple of weeks. So it's <laughs> so right now it's Kenneth Walker and it's DJ Dallas and I'm sure somebody else, but I don't know who else in that backfield. So let, let's just answer this before we go too deep on Kenneth Walker. Fill in this blank for me. Kenneth Walker is a top blank running back rest of season i'm doing 20 okay um i like the thing is the seahawks defense is so bad they have to score a lot of points mm-hmm. and somehow they're scoring a lot of points mm-hmm. um in spite of drew lock nipping at the heels yeah. of <laughs> what is, well, I, I know pete carroll is just ridiculous by nature but come on oh well, like i said in our group i i would never have thought six weeks ago that Geno Smith could be doing the things he's doing, but Drew Locke could never dream of doing the things that Geno is doing right now. Just just insane. Go on. No, not at all. And I think, especially if he was a wave wire pickup, probably the most popular, Yeah, uh, he has that kind of league winner potential on him. Second I mean, he, he, he's a guy that, class. he's a guy that people probably spent 90% of their fab on. And yeah. if we were in a, a redraft league, 
where he was available, I would probably do the same thing. Like I would spend 90 to all of my fab on, on Kenneth Walker. That's just the kind of guy you spend your fab on. Yeah, absolutely. And the, there's not a really another guy on this team to catch passes. Uh, I'm not going to try to foreshadow whether or not he will catch passes, but in the off season, Pete Carroll did come out and say, you know, Kenneth Walker can be our third down back. So there's certainly a lot of value to be had there. And he could have more if he's playing every down and they're so shorthanded. They could just want to see what they got. They should want to see what they have. And Kenneth Walker, who they spent a second round pick on, um, kind of like the, the curse of Pete Carroll. He, he can't quit the running back that's been there longer until said running back eventually breaks down. And Seattle has had a lot of that since Marshawn Lynch, uh, essentially. But uh, I'm going to say he, this is a top 15 running back rest of season. And, and that is with me forecasting a little bit more in the passing game than maybe you are. Cause you know, you say that you're not going to try and do that. And I'm not going to try and like guess and act like I know what's going to happen in the passing game, but he is right now a 23% targets per route run guy out of the backfield. That is above league average by 5% over the last three years for running backs. That number is 18% for the last three years. And then just looking at the rushing stuff. I mean, I, I think, you know, if people want to go back and and find our podcast or the YouTube video version of our podcast where we talked about rookie prospects, I think both you and I agree that this was this is probably the best rusher, just pure rusher of the rookie class, a more polished runner than um, Brees Hall. Like, not saying these guys are comparable to these players, but... If Brees Hall is Saquon Barkley, Kenneth Walker is Nick Chubb. Like that, that's like mm-hmm. the kind of like, you know, awesome player, Brees Hall, and but just amazing running back in Kenneth Walker. I think that's kind of how we need to think of of these two guys, just not at the same level as those other guys, obviously. He was already kind of starting to earn a more stable role in this offense before Penny goes down a 36% snap share in week four for him, which is more than he had had as of late. He had a 41% target share and 23% of the of their route participation in that week. And then once Penny goes out in week five, it is 88% of the snaps for Kenneth Walker out of the backfield last week and 100% of the rushing attempts out of that backfield were Kenneth Walker. Now, I don't think those numbers are going to continue, but I, like you said, think that he is going to be the clear-cut workhorse guy. And if he is the clear-cut workhorse guy, I I think this is a a top 15 running back. If this offense can keep clicking at even a semblance of what they are, Right now, we know this is not going to continue to be this good, but it doesn't have to be for a running back to be a top 15 and even top 20, as you said, type of guy. Yeah, and that's that's the best part about it. Um, you know, notwithstanding a few concerns here and there, it's rare you get a player off waivers this this easily. And mm-hmm. I mean, rookies just they they always rookie running backs always hit in the second half of the season. It's just the nature of the game. And it looks like he's going to be a shoe in to be the guy to do that. Um, and I mean, the offense is playing at a high powered level. They're 12th in the NFL in points per game. Their pace picked up significantly since yep. Russell Wilson left. There's a lot of things that you have to like about this offense. A lot of things that are very confusing um, and question my knowledge about football as a whole. I was going to say, I'm just over here like laughing, thinking about what you're saying. And it's all right. Like Russell Wilson is gone. And they are right now sixth in the NFL in percent of drives ending in touchdowns. You mentioned their pace. Their their pace is, is ridiculous. They are right now sixth in time remaining on the play clock in neutral situations, which translates to they are playing very fast even when they do not have to. Yeah, I don't understand what is going on in Seattle, but I'm willing to hop on the train uh, until it stops. You know what? That leads us right into... Uh, the buy sell we'll start off positive and go negative and really we should start here because you know 
I didn't want to have two guys on the same team be a topic in, in this show, but I couldn't help it with DK Metcalf putting him in, in the buy category. I still think even, even with as good as he's been and even with as good as this offense has been, there is probably a fear and a legit fear that the bottom is going to fall out, that this is the sell high opportunity that, this is just not going to continue for DK Metcalf and this offense this year. I mean, he's only averaging about six targets a game, but DK Metcalf has been making massive plays. He has 50 yard plays back to back weeks. He has, was it two touchdowns or one touchdown with a chance to score a second last week. And then he had a massive game the week before too. Like, I just think you can take advantage of, of somebody who drafted DK Metcalf only because they felt cornered into it by where his price was in in draft season and wants to get out from under him now. Now, you're not going to pay the price that he was drafted at, but you shouldn't because we mentioned Kenneth Walker is maybe a top 15, maybe a top 20 back the rest of the way. I, I think DK Metcalf is probably a top 15 at worst top 20 receiver. The rest of the way, we talked about a lot of the pace stuff with, with them already, so I'm not going to harp on that. But and you mentioned the bad defense. You, you know their their opponents are scoring on 35 percent of of their drives this season. So you have a team that's playing fast and giving up a lot of points, and the offense right now is is scoring again. This is not going to continue, but even early in the season. Week one, maybe notwithstanding because there wasn't a whole lot. I think week one is what we all thought it was going to look like all season. Like Pete Pete Carroll babying Geno Smith. They played pretty slow, it felt like, in week one. They just they, they were trying to get away with doing as little as possible. And then week two, they just played a really good 49ers defense. But, like, they, some of the highlights that DK had in that game, and there was a, a catch that may have been one of the best catches I've seen this year that was called back. He's just a freak, and I think he's proven that he's quarterback-proof, and you should be willing to to pay up and, and draft him as, as a high-end wide receiver to the rest of the way because I think he can just get good value right now. Yeah, well, and if you want to talk about the ultimate opportunity to buy on him, it's now because he plays the Arizona Cardinals this week, yeah. ranked 32nd in the NFL in wide receiver points per game. He's definitely going to have a, that's probably going to be the highest scoring game on the slate, um, other than maybe Kansas City Buffalo. Yeah. But the defense is non existent on both teams in this game. DK is going to have a pop off week. Um, I, in the same vein, he's not on my list, but I think Tyler Lockett is another guy I'm absolutely okay with buying high on yeah. or buying at whatever cost is. He, he leads the league or he has, you know, upside just like DK does. And he's, He's having a career year as far as targets per route run go. That 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 second touchdown pass that that Gino threw to him that was just like dropped perfectly in the bread basket. I was just like, what is going on with this offense right now? This it was unbelievable. It's absurd what's going on in Seattle, and we need to get Brad Windhorse on it to figure <laughs> out exactly what it is. Um, but love going after. Why would they do that? Why would they trade Russell Wilson? We know why. We know why. It's because Geno Smith is the truth. Forget, Yeah, Geno Smith might be the second best quarterback in the NFC West, and the first might be Jimmy Garoppolo. So we are having ourselves a hell of an NFL season, boys and girls. And, and look, you know, I, I'm not saying like you go – you shouldn't have to pay for – if you have, if someone is making you pay like DK as a top 12 receiver, I'd be a little more hesitant, especially like if it's like a top eight type of receiver, but I, I just think you can probably get him at a lower price tag than that because I, I think you probably would hear some places if this is a sell high right now, and I just think this is a buy at price uh, with DK Metcalf. Yeah, and I think his owner's still a little concerned. We all are. Yeah, um, This is just like Cordell Patterson last year where yeah. you just really can't believe it's happening week to week. Yep, for sure. All right, Dalton, who who's your first buy? Uh, I'm going to stay in the NFC West, actually. I thought you were going to say stay in Seattle. I was like, God, who else is left on this offense to yeah. buy? Uh, Tyler Lockett. No, actually, Geno Smith. Trade for him. Uh, I'm, I'm real, real quick, taking... sorry. I, I should have I should have asked before we got off Kenneth Walker. Before we get off the Seahawks in general, 
if you didn't get him off waivers or if he was already picked up, would you be looking to buy Kenneth Walker even at a pretty hefty price right now? Yeah, probably. Because he, he'll cost more once he plays NFL snaps. Would you trade CEH for Kenneth Walker right now? That's so tough. No. I've been thinking about that all day. No, and it's it's mainly because I would just rather have the less talented back and the better offense um, because I don't know how long Seattle can keep up this continuity, and I'm still a Pete Carroll hater. <laughs> I agree. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we, we hit that real quick before I moved on. Okay, sorry to interrupt. Who, who's your first buy? Well, we have George Kittle. So uh, right now, George Kittle is 35, and you draft him third or fourth round most likely, and whoever has him – it has probably lost a few games because yes. that kind of roster construction just has not been successful. But in my opinion, he's one of the three tight ends in the NFL who has game winning upside for you week to week. Uh, the other two being Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Sorry, Kyle Pitts. I need to see some touchdowns. Don't um, you disrespect uh, Taysom Hill like that, sir. He, yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't make the sell list, but he should be on it. Um, but last week he played a, uh, season high, 90% snap share. I think he was just getting eased back from his injury. Uh, on top of that, the 49ers offense is not super exciting, but Jimmy Garoppolo is getting better every week. And I know a lot of people expect him just to be dropped back into this to be working fine. It is a new offensive coordinator. He didn't practice all offseason because the expectation was for him to be traded. So their passing offense will get more efficient and back to its old self as the weeks go on. And this is like a prime time to do it because his next game is against Atlanta. Then he plays Kansas City, who's allowing the 26 most points tight ends in the NFL. And then he plays the Rams. So there's a really good opportunity to get him before he has that vintage George Kittle week. And you're not going to pay like a George Kittle price for him. No, Whoever definitely not. It. Yeah. And you, so, and like always, I don't like going high on tight end unless it's one of the big two. But here you can probably package like a Tyler Higby, who's really exceeded expectations and like a Mike Boone you out off waivers to the team that's struggling for George Kittle, in my opinion. I yeah. just like, and that's why I think now's the time you buy low. Cause once he has his 30 point game, he'll have another like six and another nine point game. But in the tight end world, that one 30 point game is all you're really looking for. Yeah. And I'm totally with you on, on Kittle being one of the few guys who can just flat out win you a week with, with a big time blow up game. What makes you nervous are the things that have always made you nervous with Kittle. It's the the injury stuff. I mean, he missed the first couple of weeks, and he just doesn't get the targets that guy of his caliber should because of the offense, whether it's because of the quarterback, because of the play calling when it comes to types of passes, or uh, the amount of run blocking that he is asked to do because he is great at it. But I am with you that if you do want George Kittle, you 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 have to do it now because there will be a blow up game. Like Kit Kittle's too good not to have a blow up game. And then as soon as that happens, the window is closed. Like you, you just, if there is, if this goes for anybody, but especially applies to Kittle, if there is somebody that you want who has not gotten off to a great start, you, you just have to pounce because you know that the person who has that player, all they're waiting for is one good game for every preseason prior to be confirmed be back in their mind for them to think okay everything is fine is that true always not necessarily but just if you want to go buy somebody who is struggling you can't wait around because all it takes is one week and that opportunity is gone and that's why evan is back in on diami brown for those <laughs> curious uh okay uh i think you'll be a little surprised and the listeners might be a little surprised with with my second buy uh, Chase Edmonds. No. <laughs> no. I think uh I think Chase had one carry last week. One touch. I think he had ten total steps. Yikes. Um it's Travis Etienne. We not not is that is he one of yours? He's my other buy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, you know, it was less than a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, where we both said we would take James Robinson rest of season. You know I, what, Evan? I'm here to we say. We wrote him off. I'm here to say. he didn't write back. Exactly. Exactly. I'm here to say we may have been 
a little premature. Uh, it was pretty rough for Mr. ETN the first two weeks. It was the the James Robinson comeback story just just took over every every thought in my mind when it came to this backfield. And I, I just to, just to be completely honest, and we had talked about this, I did not expect Robinson to come in and be playing more. Like you wouldn't be shocked by the veteran playing more than the rookie, or you know, rookie in Etienne's case in quotations immediately. But it was surprising in this situation because Robinson tore his Achilles less than a year ago. So there was reason, I think, to be concerned. But I'm here to say, and you're here to say, it sounds like we were wrong. Travis Etienne has taken over this backfield quietly the last couple of weeks. He he had a, a good game last week. I think he was over 100 scrimmage yards. Um, yeah, 114 yards on 13 touches compared to 39 yards on 12 touches for James Robinson last week. So the breakout kind of quietly happened and it will become a lot more evident when the touchdown comes with that breakout. I, I've got more to say, but I don't want to steal everything that, that you have to say before I pass it along to you. So, so give me a little bit of the pro Travis Etienne after we were so anti after three weeks. Well, I mean, this isn't like an end all be all, but PFF has graded him higher through four weeks with his rush grade. And I mean, some underlying as, as as a Chiefs fan, I have learned that PFF not the end all be all. Yes, but he also does have a, a higher yards per carry. He has a higher yards per target. He's he's out competing James Robinson in all of those categories. Like you said, he had a higher snap percentage than James Robinson did last week, and it, it was a close game all week. It was a horrible game, but it was a close game which means that you would have thought that would have favored James Robinson. It wasn't some third, fourth quarter comeback game where there was a lot of two-minute drill. And, I mean, he's still, he can still ball. He, he's still playing really well. And what is reassuring is it looks like the Jaguars' downfield targets, those being Marvin Jones um, and Zay Jones, kind of look like they're getting open more frequently, which should open up more stuff underneath for Travis Etienne. And I think to start the season, that was just really clogged up with him, Evan Ingram, and Christian Kirk competing for those targets underneath. Um, so hopefully it gives them better looks and less stacked boxes. I looked it up. The Jaguars are 29th in the NFL in stacked box rate. Or sorry, third in the NFL in stacked box rate. Um, so they're facing a lot of eight-man boxes, which really obliterates the ability for those short underneath throws. So if they could shorten those up, then Travis Etienne's getting a lot better looks as well. Mm-hmm. And on top of the production being there, the the snap share has been going up. You mentioned he played more than Robinson this week. It was 53% uh, for ETN this week. I don't have Robinson's, but I know that was more than Robinson. And he's had, each of the last two weeks, they've both had the same number of rushes. So he isn't just winning in the passing game. He has come to a draw with Robinson in the rushing game, which means he, if that continues, it's going to be a... 60 40 at least type of split in favor of etn and etn you know for as commendable of a player as robinson is he has never been my favorite he is not <laughs> he is not an explosive guy for any means he he can produce and he's a very quality nfl back but but etn just has a different level of explosiveness and athleticism and just dy- dynamic playmaking ability that Robinson doesn't have. I mean, week five, it was a season high 43% rush share for ETN. He is sixth in the NFL in missed tackles forced per carry, which we talk about those type of stats a lot, being indicative of just a guy being a good player. He is fifth in the NFL in carries of five or more yards, 10th in yards after contact. Like James Robinson is a nice player, but if ETN you know, the, the pre-draft stuff we talked about was with him not being the most disciplined runner in the world, and I still don't really think he is because he kind of just looks like he's shot out of a cannon right off the gate every time he gets the ball, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. If he can kind of hone some of that stuff in, he's got the ability to to be a very, very fun running back in, in the NFL. Yeah. Well, and the last thing I'll have about this is, and I, I really tried hard to find guys who I think the window is now, um, so you're not buying them too early or too late. Uh, the, the Jaguars last week 
two weeks ago they lose to the Eagles and you're kind of like, okay, the Eagles are like a powerhouse in the NFL, but then they lose, you know, they, they lose to the Texans. And uh, I think a lot of people in the NFL are probably looking at the Jaguars and saying that they, I think they are last year's team. That hype that we had early on, they're a good team, isn't there. I, I tend to disagree. I think the Jaguars are still a strong team. This is a Houston team that played the Chargers really well. And I think if they start scoring more points, you just see more opportunities for ETN. I think the offense is really well coached. Well, and they, they just snatched uh, defeat from the jaws of victory in that game. I mean, they yeah. completely outgained Jacksonville or outgained Houston, rather. Uh, it, it was turnovers. It, it was mistakes. It was. Uh, it was kind of a, not not to the same extreme as the Chiefs versus Colts, but it was of that same vein where it's like, how in the world is Jacksonville losing this game right now? Yeah, it's one of those where the better team did not win. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are better days ahead, and you can maybe you can get into the ear of that ET owner and be like, Trevor Lawrence does actually suck. The Jags are what we thought they were. They play in the AFC South, and it's going to be horrible the rest of the way through for whoever's on that team. Mm-hmm. So a couple of guys we did not mention. We didn't mention any of the the others uh, on my list. Jonathan Taylor, uh, number one overall pick. I think he's currently, well, I guess I don't know. Uh, Through four weeks, he was the RB24. He's got to be lower than that after not playing. Yeah, he's, I don't even know where he's at. Uh, Regardless, Jonathan Taylor basically been an RB2 when he's played this year. But I said it last week. That's about what he was through through four weeks last year. So I'm not panicking yet. But the question is, Dalton, would you be looking to buy Taylor, knowing that if you're getting him at a discount, you're still paying ninety cents on the dollar. You're not going to go get Jonathan Taylor for cheap, even if the the fantasy manager of Taylor is freaking out. You're not trading the number one pick less than two months into the season for for pennies on the dollar. I'm probably not. Really? Um, yeah, this, I mean, this Colts team is just very concerning. Offensive line play is horrible. I think they rank like 28th on Brandon Thorns. I know they're bottom third mm-hmm. in his rankings right now, and that was really a strength of theirs. And it's not like Taylor's not going to get his, but there is no quarterback play on this team to help advance the ball, which just decreases the opportunities he's going to have. And – I, for as talented as he is, there are guys who would probably be asked for in that trade, guys like DeAndre Swift or Derrick Henry, who I just have more faith in their offenses to kind of take them through it um, than I do in Jonathan Taylor's. Um, he, he'll still end up, in my opinion, like a top you know, 15, 16 back, but I think it's going to be just tough living to get there. Man, this uh, this sounds like a potential bet. We haven't had one in a while. So are, are, are you saying – so would, are you comfortable saying that Taylor is not going to be a top 10 running back for the entire season? Not from this point forward, but just the entire season. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Okay. I, I like that. Okay, yep. I'll, I'll say Taylor is top 10. You say Taylor is not. I will jot that down since Johnny is not here. Uh, another one that I didn't mention because, frankly, I thought you were going to because I think he is – on a lot of, of buy low type of list right now. And, and that's Joe Mixon. Uh, is Joe Mixon a guy you'd be looking to to buy at this point? It depends on how, how smart the owner is. I haven't listened to it yet, but I know Josh Norris at Underdog Fantasy uh, kind of talked about how Joe Mixon's usage is really high and his production is really low. And I think his overall thesis was Joe Mixon might suck now. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's true. I'd have to look at it closer before I'm willing to make that observation. Uh, but one, it probably not because I think if the owner is smart at all or just box score watching, even Joe Mixon's so involved that I think yeah. he still fetches a high price just because of the running back game. And then two, I hate Zach Taylor and I hate the Bengals and I don't want to invest in them. Uh, J- like Jamar Chase is a guy who probably shouldn't be on one of our lists and isn't. Yeah. Uh, but him and I would rather invest that passing offense than the rushing offense. And even then, I think this could be like a lost season for the Bengals. I, I also think that every season has ebbs and flows. I think I heard Matt Harmon say this earlier this week. Every season has a bunch of different chapters all the time. So we could easily be looking back at, at this part of the season in two months and think how crazy it was, how, how bad the Bengals were to start the season. I, I talked about, we talked about the, the, the thing with the Bengals 
uh, how their running game and passing game were not working together, so they are finding themselves, even though they're facing very light boxes, they are somehow having to run plays against heavy boxes all the time because they only run out of certain looks. Uh, their adjustment to that this last week was to throw it three point something yards per attempt and have Samaje Piran catch a million passes. I can't say whether or not Mixon is as good as he used to be, but I think anyone who acts like, like, okay, here's what I'll say. Joe Mixon back in like 2019 got met in the backfield all the time and, and still produced, uh, but he, he is still the RB 16 right now, even with bad touchdown luck. So he, he is still producing just not as much as you'd like, even with getting met in the backfield. So maybe he's not quite the same guy he was, you know, three, four years ago, but I've watched enough of their games to know even on his, like people are going to cite his receptions, like his yards per catch being so low. He catches so many passes behind the line of scrimmage with a guy within a yard of him already. And another, you know, two or three swarming. He, he is just, he just never has any room. He never has any room to do anything. So it's really hard to be able to gauge how good or not good Joe Mixon is at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I just really do think the first and 10 play calling where if they come under center and they hand it off to Joe Mixon, every team knows, and then you get into a second down situation. And part of the reason Joe Mixon is on pace for a career high in receptions is because they're in so many negative second and tens. Yeah. He's running out as wide receiver, as a, as a run or as a receiver in the mm-hmm. set. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'd be willing to trade for him if it's like a begrudged owner and they don't like what they're seeing, but I'm not going to sell like another one of the top 10 backs for him, which I think a lot of people would probably be looking for just yeah. to get the value. Yeah. So the, the last thing I'll say on Mixon is even if he's not quite the Joe Mixon of old, I mean, he, he has seven rushes and no touchdowns inside the five this year. He's already the RB16. We have been dreaming for this kind of pass-catching volume out of him, even if it's not producing many yards. Uh, hopefully, he'll just get more better opportunities going forward in the passing game. I th- This is kind of like the Najee Harris situation through you know was last year through five weeks, but I, I still just think there's hope for this offense to be a lot better so i'm probably still buying mix and and i don't know if i'm trading one of the top top backs but i'd trade a pretty good receiver for him last guy i'll mention only because i i did want to look at the panthers and their situation uh, a little bit with uh with matt rule now being fired christian mccaffrey now in trade rumors to the buffalo bills um, uh, amongst many other teams, I'm sure, as all of their good players are. Every Packers fan on Twitter is trying to trade DJ Moore to the Packers for a fifth and a seventh round pick. Um, I think we know Christian McCaffrey is going to be expensive no matter what. DJ Moore, however, should not be, and even to a lesser extent, Robbie Anderson. Are you taking just a, a, a very cheap shot in the dark and hoping these if one of these guys gets traded? <laughs> I mean, Chris McCaffrey, we know it won't be cheap. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I want to trade for DJ Moore. I don't think they're going to trade him with the four-year contract he just signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get him, I would say it can get better. But Ben McAdoo is the interim coach, and Ben McAdoo was terrible as the Giants coach. Uh, and it's PJ he's, Walker. He, he, he's not. Well, he's he's the, the guy in charge of the offense. I don't even remember who their interim coach is. It's someone yeah, who's been in, on Carolina for forever. Yeah, whoever it is, I have no faith in them, especially with P.J. Walker rolling out at quarterback. And Sam Darnold coming back soon, hopefully. I mean, I never thought I'd pray for Sam Darnold for his value. <laughs> but, like, this is going to probably be the year that D.J. Moore does not hit his 1,100 yards for touchdown season. Sadly. Uh, and I, I feel kind of confident in believing that one. And I don't even know if I, I'd be willing to project a, a blow-up game for him. Like, we haven't even got a vintage McCaffrey game because this offense is being run so terribly. Yeah, it's funny you say that, but he's basically averaging 20 points a game the last two weeks, which, again, not quite vintage McCaffrey, but he, he's still the RV6 and averaging 20 points a game in half point the last two weeks, even better in, in PPR. I'm with you, and I actually think I would take the opposite turn and and maybe try and sell him for, uh, I mean, basically a fire sale, but just uh, on the hope to another guy like, hey, man, you know, 
he had he played with PJ Walker two games last year. Sure, one of them was 24 yards, the other one was seven catches for 114 yards. Like, and then he's got Sam Darnold coming back. That that's gonna be better. Like, if you could get a fringe starter back for DJ Moore, I think I'd take it because I'm just tired of the headache. Tyler Lockett for DJ Moore? I don't think you'd get Tyler Lockett for DJ Moore. What about DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think Someone you'd... drafted him. They threw him onto their IR. He's a week away from being back. You don't think you'd get that? No, because if you've uh, even if he's been on your IR, you've still been waiting for him to come back this whole time. So I, I don't think you can even get that. Like, I think, let me pull up a list of receivers. How about Romeo Dobbs, Garrett Wilson, or George Pickens? You think any of those? Dobbs would be funny if DJ Moore then got traded to the Packers oh <laughs> and became the number one. If you could get Garrett Wilson, which you might be able to, I would do that so quickly. It's not even funny. What we're saying is get rid of DJ Moore at all costs. <laughs> okay. Speaking of get rid, we are on to the cells, on to the negative portion of this podcast. Before we start, I've got to ask, is CEH on your list? No, I'm sticking to what I said last week, which is just ride the train because it's going to be spiked weeks with him, but running back as a whole this year seems really ugly. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I put him on here because I was listening to a podcast earlier today where both people said he's like their number one sell, which I get it. If you could sell him for his value, he would be too, but... The guy was basically like, "Yeah, I mean, if you could, if you can sell him at his value, you know, I, absolutely, I do that in a heartbeat." It's like, "Well, yeah, if you could sell him at the RB nine value that he is in half point per reception scoring right now, of course you'd do it." But as we talked about last week, you can't do it if anybody in your league listens to podcasts, consumes content, sees him on every single list, and I'm just not selling him for the RB twenty rest yeah. of season. Well, and just to add to that, I saw a lot of podcasts and a lot of people doing roundabouts saying we were right. Look, you didn't sell CH and look at the game you had Monday night against mm-hmm. the Raiders. The Chiefs were down two starting offensive linemen, including the guy they run behind, Trey Smith, every night. And that definitely did have an impact in the run game as a whole. And I do think part of Andy Reid and Mahomes were like, we're going to get Kelsey like to three and four touchdowns <laughs> in this game and not run it to anybody else. It did look like that, in my opinion, watching the game. Well, so and, and and look, we we know that Ceh is doing has been doing this in an unsustainable way. Neither one of us expected a top ten type of season to continue for him. So it it is what it is. I think you just got to be got to be happy with with Ceh, even with the ebbs and flows. They're going to be ebbs and flows because even for as good as this offense is, it's tough to make a living playing fifty percent or less every week of the snaps and. I mean, in my opinion, he's the third best running back on this team, but it's not treated as such yet, so should not be treated as such in fantasy football. Dalton, who is your first sell? Uh, this one, uh, he might even be on your list and might be a little surprising, but I did put Gabe Davis here as a sell. Really? No, he's not on my list. Uh, the first thing I want to say is this isn't like uh, – his targets per game, like the whole thesis all offseason for Gabe Davis was not that he was going to get 20% targets. It was you that know, he was going to get really good targets. Is that, you know, he did catch a 98-yard touchdown, so this is not the worst time to sell high. Yes, and his expected fantasy points in that Steelers game, if you're curious, would have put him at wide receiver 81, and he was the <laughs> wide receiver 1 on the season, which puts him at a very wild distribution. Um it does depend on where I would sell him for like a Tyler Lockett and a tight end deal because I think Tyler Lockett's consistency would be better. Um, and they have the same boom potential. Well, and and, 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 and let's look at, let's look at the same team. I mean, Gabe Davis wide receiver 25 right now, but he's missed the game. So he's averaging two more points than DK Metcalf wide receiver 20. Do you yeah. think you could get Metcalf straight up for Gabe Davis? I mean, if you can, I would take that sell. Uh, I'm a Davis. I'm a Gabe Davis believer. But DK Metcalf is more talented, and he's a boomer bust player. The whole way Gabe Davis works is he's going to score you touchdowns and get a couple of deep looks from Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. His his targets per game are going to be like six at a maximum. I do think the one week he came back with a bum ankle, he wasn't a hundred percent. So he's definitely going to be like one of those players that you can rely on. But if you took him in a non-sharp league if you took him in the fourth round you probably can't get a return on value but if you took him in the seventh round i think you trade him for some of these guys who are underperforming whoever has omron st brown has now lost him for two weeks and has a bye week 
can you pitch a Gabe Davis plus somebody else for Amron? I would be looking to trade him to get off him. Probably not. Probably not because Amon Ross St. Brown was like the historic of fantasy football yes. before he's missed these last couple of games. But I agree with the sentiment. I agree that I'd be looking to get off him because you are not going to have a better window than right now when he, he had a 98-yard touchdown. And then the other one was like a 50-yard touchdown, 60-yard touchdown. So I mean, just yeah, a, what a dog ripping the ball out of Mika Fitzpatrick's yeah, hands. Yeah, that 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 <laughs> was that wasn't a great a great play. I thought Mika actually. I think it actually may have changed possessions. Mul- yeah. Like I think I think Mika actually had the ball <laughs> for a split second, and then and then Gabe Davis took it. I mean, again to harken back to a guy that we talked about earlier. Let, let's look across the aisle at running back. Would you trade Kenneth Walker for Gabe Davis if you're if you're looking to? Would you trade Gabe Davis for Kenneth Walker? Excuse me. You think you could get that deal? Yeah, that's something I would do. And I'd also just like mention to whoever I'm trying to trade to. He does play Kansas City this week. We had 200 yard touchdowns against. Just don't tell that person Mike Hughes is no longer on the Chiefs and just and send, and, and, and just send that 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 video to him from that absolutely. Day. But yeah, I mean this offense is literally like the Josh Allen to. Stefan Diggs connection. And it's the Gabe Davis isn't even a straight up handcuff to Diggs. Like if Diggs gets hurt, this offense looks different, but it's not going to be 26% target share, Gabe Davis. And um, and look, not that I expect this to happen, but it's not nothing that the Bills are the only team that's been mentioned by name that I've seen in the Christian McCaffrey stuff. And, you know, they've signed McKissick and he abandoned them they drafted james cook and that hasn't worked out slash even if it does work out he is a rookie how much can he really help you like when it matters most in the playoffs winning super bowls which is what this team is thinking about they were a team that was mentioned for mccaffrey at the nfl draft so the interest is very real from the bill's side on that one percent chance that mccaffrey ends up in Buffalo, you'll feel good about selling Gabe Davis. <laughs> just, just if you're if you're on the edge, just just something else to think about. Not saying yeah. you make a decision based off of that, but just something else to consider. Yeah, and as an owner of Gabe Davis, you're probably going to have a lot of like two catches, six targets, eighteen yards. Mm-hmm. As much as you have the three catches, two touchdown performances, he's going to just be very boomer bust. Except he doesn't have the athleticism to take away those short balls. He needs Josh Allen putting them on a rope in the red zone for him. Mm-hmm. Dalton, I'm looking to make it back-to-back weeks of, of nailing the Jets' backfield. This hurts my heart to say, but I, I've got Michael Carter right now. Did, did you look at my buy-sell sheet before we started? Because <laughs> no. I also have Michael oh, Carter. Oh, man. <laughs> no. Okay, that's good, because I thought you were going to have my last guy as the sell. but, but Ooh, you, Well, you, at least I have the other one. Um, so, obviously, Michael Carter – Mentioned it at the top when we were talking about Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. He straight up vultured two touchdowns. And, and one of them was, like, as vultury as can possibly be. Brees Hall had a 79-yard reception down to the one-yard line. And apparently was too tired to run the next play. So, so Michael Carter comes in. But just the usage has not been good. Since week one, it's been more routes for Brees Hall. He's getting more carries, more targets, and the targets the last three weeks are 18 to 7 in favor of Hall. I think you sent the stat to, to us, to Johnny and I, Dalton, that Brees Hall last week is is it close to DJ Moore's total output on the season? His receiving yards, or what was that stat? Uh, he has a higher average depth of target than DJ That's Moore. Right. His average depth of target is 5.9, DJ Moore's is 5.8. And I'm pretty confident in saying he probably has more yards on the season than than DJ Moore. He has, in one catch, probably a 80% of DJ Moore's yardage on his 80-yard 80, 80 catch. Um, I think people are going to be tempted to want to hold on to Carter and see if this can turn into a two-headed backfield. You've got Robert Sala saying he likes the way it looks with both backs on the field at the same time, saying that they sh- that they need to be doing that because it's a dangerous formation for opposing teams, which is true. Both of those guys are good players. Michael Carter is a very good player, but I just don't trust the usage to give Carter fantasy relevance uh, rest of season. And again, I think he is a fantastic little player, 
but he's probably top 36 running back. And could you sell him for more than that after last week where he has 16 points and scores two touchdowns after a couple weeks of concerning usage? I think you probably could. So I think this is a good time to get out, which is I'm assuming why he's on your list. Yeah, well, you know, Brees is unleashed. That that was actually what I wrote down. So very proud of that pun. Um, but one thing that does just kill Michael Carter's value is Joe Flacco not being there yeah. because Joe Flacco is checked out king. And what I will say, if if you're selling him and any savvy owner is going to look at you and be like, I know exactly what you're trying to do. Uh, and this guy had two touchdowns. And that's hard to replicate. Mm-hmm. I would point out, like, in that game, Carter wasn't needed because they weren't running a lot of third down um, and two-minute situations because they were wallywopping a horrible Dolphins offense with yeah. Skylar Thompson at its helm. In games where the Jets are losing, I think that's where Carter kind of has more of his value. I still think he's the guy that plays in the two-minute drill. And it's still a touchdown-dependent upside situation. I mean, that's better than a lot of situations you have. Like, I would rather have Michael Carter right now than Antonio Gibson, for sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's definitely definitely fair. And bye weeks are coming up, so you could just, just go find that one or two different fantasy managers in your league who – the best running back on their team is the RB 29 on the season. There is someone in your league that that is what their running back room looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, I'm not looking at, don't go look at like the Cam Akers guy and be like, I'm going to get smart and trade for Cam Akers. I think Michael Carter probably outperforms him yeah. the rest of season. Um, but I would be looking for some of those other secondary players in backfields um, that could really come out and perform for you. Mm-hmm. With you there. Um I think the number one sell high of of all sell highs and why I'm surprised he wasn't on your list because I know you're going to agree with what I'm saying, or at least I think you are. That's Austin Eckler. Like, Austin Eckler is, like, major sell high right now, right? He – look, here's the thing. Oh, no. Uh, You're coming around on Eckler No, I'm not. But he's just two weeks in a row after I was like, yeah, I was right. Breaking off to Eckler 20th, he's like, I'm just going to do the thing where I score eight touchdowns in two weeks. Yep, or five, five touchdowns in two weeks. Not too yeah. far off. Um, absolutely. I mean, the Browns are the worst rushing defense in the NFL by a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only team up there with them are the Lions. Uh, from Andre Stevenson week, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but I, I believe in that. Some weird things are coming out of the Chargers as well. Justin Herbert is the second lowest target percentage to his wide receivers of any quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, only Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are above him, which is also weird. Keenan Allen is going to remedy that situation. When he's yes. back, I will say I am surprised he is not back already. He's been so, day-to-day for four weeks. Yes, that that is concerning. But Keenan Allen, until we know he's not going to be back, I am expecting that to kind of correct itself a little bit for the Chargers. Yeah, but now I, I agree with you absolutely. It's the time to sell him. I actually think the Chargers might just suck. It took like all of their power to beat up on a bad Browns Browns team. And it was really just Austin Eckler getting long runs. And it wasn't even their, their offensive win rate in that game for the rushing plays wasn't very high. It was legitimately just guys missing tackles Hmm. in week five alone. I know Austin Eckler missed like double efforts, missed tackles that all Chiefs running backs had over four weeks. Mm -hmm. So there was just a lot of variance in that game that I don't expect him to repeat. And again, they just don't want to have to rely on them that much. And you're right. When Keenan Allen comes back, this offense is going to look differently. They're going to start throwing the ball to their receivers more. And it's going to be hard for their defense to keep up if they're letting the Browns hang like 25 or 28 on them wherever they scored. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, through three weeks, you thought you were you were doing your victory laps. I, I wasn't as down on him as you, but I, I, I we were both down on him relative to the rest of the fantasy community in general, I think he was RB 28, nine and 29 in half point. If you just look at the first three weeks and then that week two, RB nine was on the back of like nine receptions for 49 yards against the chiefs, a bunch of dump downs in that game. But the last two weeks he has been RB one and RB one in, in scoring. So Pretty, pretty good. And 
right now he is all the way up to the RB2. He has passed Saquon Barkley. He is the RB2 in half-point scoring right now. The difference between him and a guy like CEH is I think you could probably sell him at or very close to that price. Like, here's a little something I wrote down. Could you get Christian McCaffrey straight up for Austin Eckler right now? I mean, Austin Eckler looks like the Christian McCaffrey right now, the way he's scoring. I was going to say, I know I was just down on him, but I would do Jonathan Taylor for Austin yep, Eckler. And, you and probably get a throw in. Yep, and he was the other one I, I that I wrote down too was, was Jonathan Taylor. Um, the role has not changed the last couple of weeks. It really, he's still not getting used as much as he was last year. And he was the least efficient runner and pass catcher through three weeks. The last two weeks, he is averaging 8.5 yards per carry. I would expect that number is going to go down. He has five total touchdowns, as I mentioned, uh, in the last two weeks. I would expect that number is going to go down. What did we say through three weeks? He is going to have to score touchdowns for him to live up to anything close to what his draft value is. He has the last two weeks. We'll see about the next couple. For as many jokes as we like to make about the Broncos' offense, he plays a good Broncos defense this week, and I, I think that RB1, RB1, back-to-back is not going to be uh, a three-straight-week thing. He is still only getting a third of their carries inside the 10, just not a recipe for a, a top-five running back, and I, I really think that's what you can sell him as right now. A guy like Jonathan Taylor, he's getting 85% of his team's carries inside the 10-yard line this year. Yeah, I will say they do play Seattle week seven. Yeah. Um, so, and um, that is concerning. But as you just get deeper into the playoffs with him, they play some legitimately good defenses. And it's just such an unsustainable recipe for a guy to play such a low snap share and have such a high touchdown rate. I don't know exactly what it was, but I think it's close to like every 6% of his touches this season have resulted in a touchdown or something crazy like that. It You, you do not and, and that's even him. with him not scoring touchdowns the first couple of weeks. Yeah, well, and you watch the Houston, the Browns game, and a few of his touchdowns are like there are linebackers in front of him and the linebackers just get missed. Mm-hmm. One of the Browns touchdown, he went to get tackled and the linebacker got tackled by his own player and Austin Eckler walked into the end zone. Uh, those aren't things the players really doing as much as the other team's defenses are. And Houston and the Browns have really bad rush defenses, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this, this this is the ultimate sell high. You're right. And I think uh, I, I want to be careful with how I phrase it because I, I'm not saying you, you, like this isn't like a must go out and sell Austin Eckler because I think Eckler's probably a top 12 running back rest of season, barring injury. Like he's he is getting fifteen to twenty touches most weeks, and what I still think is a pretty good offense. The issue is he is not getting that many inside the ten, and I, I just don't think he's going to be able to score enough touchdowns. And he's obviously not going to have the same type of yardage, you know, two hundred plus like he had last week. It, it's just he's just not going to have that ceiling that he's shown the last two weeks. And again. I think you can get Christian McCaffrey. I think you can get Jonathan Taylor. You probably can't get Saquon Barkley, who's right there with him. But, like, I don't know. I'm looking looking through the list. Like, running back is is a mess. So it's hard to sell him running back to running back, like just looking at some of the top performers. I mean, look across positions at, at receiver. Like, could you get... Tyreek Hill for Austin Eckler? And would you do that if you could? Like, I think I'd rather have Tyreek Hill than Austin Eckler. Or AJ Brown yeah. for Austin Eckler. I, I would be looking for guys like that. most, Or Jamar Chase for Austin Eckler. That's like a trade I could see definitely happening in a lot of leagues with the mm-hmm. way Jamar Chase has performed and the way Austin Eckler has. And they were probably pretty similar in ADP. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, last guy. I, I didn't really want to have... Uh, a full-fledged conversation about because I think it's pretty obvious and not too helpful of advice because if you play in a league that pays any attention, they're going to know what you're doing. Marquise Brown is wide receiver six right now. He has one more week until DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Now, I know Hopkins had probably his worst season as far – like his worst season when he's healthy 
last year and might not be the old DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back. But again, Marquise Brown is the wide receiver six. If you can even get a top 15 type of receiver price, maybe even top 20 out of him, you do it. But I just don't think you can in those leagues because everybody knows DeAndre Hopkins is coming back in a week. Well, and in the same vein, I didn't put him on here, but we didn't have any quarterbacks, so it might be interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to still try to sell Kyler Murray if you have him at name value? Do you, or, or are you just riding the train out? Because I do think this, that like the Cardinals suck, and I think it's not Kyler Murray's fault entirely, but Kyler no. Murray also sucks pretty pretty bad in the first quarter. All of their points are in the second quarter, or the sorry, second half of games, and it's just not a very sustainable recipe for fantasy success. I wish I had the tweet in front of me um, that I saw earlier this week. Cause I don't ever remember what the stat was, but I'll just give you the gist of the stat. The gist of the stat that Kyler Murray is producing in spite of his coach, which is no surprise, but basically the, the thesis that somehow the stat nailed was, Early in the games when they're not scoring, that is the completely coach-controlled portion of the game where Kyler Murray is not doing Kyler Murray things. It's when Kyler Murray is running around like a video game where he is producing and they are producing. So I think you – like, I'm okay keeping Kyler Murray because I think he's going – like, there are a lot of big-name quarterbacks who are letting you down right now. So there's not just a ton of guys you can go trade him for, I don't think. But also, like, if you can trade him for a starting position player, like a, a good, solid starting position player, and then just figure something out at quarterback, depending on your league format and all of that stuff, I'm pretty much always going to be good with that, unless it's like a top four quarterback. So at this one, the reason I didn't do it is the quarterback position is horrible right yeah. now. The only reason he didn't make my sell list is I think the only trade I could see myself doing is Tom Brady plus someone else for Kyler Murray. I think the Bucks pass more and they get back into a passing routine with their with their wide receivers back. And I can see an upside where Tom Brady does Tom Brady things, starts throwing three touchdowns a game. I just don't know if it's there for Kyler Murray. You I'm to, not trading him for Geno Smith. You want to know? You want to know how bad quarterback is? If you put Taysom Hill at quarterback right now, he has more points than Justin Fields this season. He'd be quarterback 24, which not anywhere close to a starter. But that's just really a really funny thing I just stumble upon right now. Oh, I mean that's pretty bad for the quarterback position. It, would you trade Justin Herbert for Kyler Murray? I'm sorry, it's one point. It's like half a point less, but point still stands oh, i mean so. why well, trade why well, trade herbert for murray i'd much rather be on the herbert side of things than kyler murray because I, I i for as many issues as we may or may not have with the chargers i just i'm always i'm almost always gonna side with the good player and i still think the situation is probably preferable <laughs> for the chargers too so i just think the only thing herbert doesn't have going for him that murray does is the rushing yeah um but he is at least a coach who can call suitable NFL plays. I I will say the last thing on this. Uh, Nate Tice did a piece on this on Twitter. Go check him out if you don't follow him. He he pointed out that in their base sets in the first quarter, the Cardinals have run the same plays that average the most yards per reception that the teams the week prior did. So <laughs> what Cliff Kingsbury is doing is copying, pasting whatever worked for the team last week and hoping it works for the Cardinals, which is not a recipe for success. Cliff Kingsbury, a lot like all of us getting through high school and college, except uh, we are there getting, are no Quizlets. There, are no, there are no Quizlets for Cliff Kingsbury, and we were not getting paid millions of dollars to – we were – to, to do our jobs in the case of college, we were actually paying what felt like millions of dollars to to be there. Dalton, anything else before we get out? If you're right on the hour mark, pretty pretty good, pretty good. No, that's all I got. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for episode 86 of the Half Point for Podcast. Thank you guys so much uh, for listening and for tuning in. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, that That is really big for us if you are willing to do that. Just search Half Point for Podcast on YouTube. The link to all of these things in the show notes, as always. 
give us a five-star review, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen. We appreciate those as well. And we will be back. I We will probably have a proper waiver show next week. Regardless, we will definitely have a proper podcast next week. And we can't wait for Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys. This is going to be a really fun week of football. And we are excited to talk about it next week. We will talk to you guys then. Peace.